0: The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host or guest and should not be interpreted as statement of fact. Independent fact checking and corrections are encouraged.
1: Could we got a cup of coffee in here, please.
0: Just some coffee here, please. Thank you. You know what? That's damn good coffee and hot.
2: Damn,
1: it's
0: hot and hot. Uh Uh-oh, I'm getting text messages already. Who's who's text messaging me now? Uh, All right, there you go. Good morning, folks. It is what is it? It's Friday. How about that? Is that good news? It's Friday, January twentieth, twenty twenty-three. Today marks the one-year anniversary since our friend Andy. Had life-saving surgery, and he is with us, and now has his new special out on uh, YouTube. new, his special out on YouTube, the last shot, Andy Andrus. Uh, it is also the one-year anniversary of the Potathon for Andy Andrus, where Call Man, Jamie Dykes, and myself streamed live for forty hours. We were going for forty-six. Didn't quite make it because the 40-hour mark was at midnight, I guess, on, I don't know, Friday night into Saturday morning. And we had started on Thursday morning. And, like, midnight, there were everybody was worn out. Nobody was watching anymore. So we figured we'd just end it there. Felt like a good place to end it. We did not quite make it to 46. But we did raise, oh, lots and lots of money. I believe when we started... The whole thing, uh, Andy's GoFundMe was at ten grand when we finished. It was short of the thirty thousand mark that we were shooting for, but it was close. It was like twenty eight thousand, somewhere around there. So we did get, we did get, we did a good thing, uh, and that was kind of habit forming. But here we are now. Today, uh, Dave is going to be back with me in a moment. He's already here. He's sitting in the back. He, I think he got. He's one of these guys who never sleeps. <laughs> I never sleep either, but I don't. I'm not up. I lay there wishing I could sleep. Anyway, a couple of things I did want to talk about uh going on in the world. First of all, this debt ceiling thing. Now, people are, uh, you know, if you don't pay attention to politics and don't care about this stuff, you're probably ignoring it. And, go ahead, ignore it. But it could be a, a big catastrophe. Now, this, we've, we've, come to this cliff before and people have made gloom and doom predictions about what happens if we don't raise the debt ceiling and we default on our national debt. And it's always been predictions of doom and gloom, but we've avoided it. Both sides came together for the good of the country and made a compromise to you know, raise the debt limit. The current climate with the Democrats and the Republicans, they have no interest in working together, coming together for the good of the country. And so I think we're fucked. I think it's going to happen this time. We are not going to raise the debt limit. We are going to default on our debt. This is me being uh, pessimistic and um, really doom and gloom. And what that is going to do is probably result in a global economic depression. That's my prediction. It's not a it's not a happy one if you're looking for happy news on a Friday morning. And what does that mean? Well, that means, you know, bread lines. It means being poor. It means, like, rich people hoarding their money, nobody investing in anything, no jobs, no money, no weed. That's to beat. I'm going home. <laughs> that was my, uh, that was from my junior high school days. That's what we used to say. It's Friday night. I got no money, no weed speed i'm going home that's what the world will look like unfortunately if uh we get to where we're going uh, and how do we avoid that well we avoid that by goodwill and both parties working together i mean take a look at, at the two parties we have now and the way they dig in and really hate each other do you really think There's going to be any goodwill for the good of the country to come together and raise uh, the debt ceiling. I don't. I don't see how it could happen. As you know, um, I've been working on reels, going back and revisiting some interviews I did to put up reels to kind of grow the YouTube channel a little bit. And last night I was working on some reels uh, with a guy named Tony Wall from the Nuisis Project. Um, it's about sustainability, human sustainability, and can, can human beings survive as populations grow with resources on the planet uh, being limited? Now, some people will, will argue that they're not limited. I don't know how they make that argument, but I've heard that argument 40 years now, that the only limitation is our imagination to find you know, new ways of using the resources. Uh, that's pie this guy, Pollyanna, is thinking, in my view. And I could be wrong, and I'd love to be wrong about that. Um, but I do think we live in a real world where resources are very limited which leads us to things like war over resources, fighting over resources, which is, you know, when it comes to countries, that becomes war, which is what we're going to talk about with Dave today Uh, because he's been in a war. Uh, I've been in some wars myself, but not not national wars, (laughs) different kinds of wars, um, local territorial wars. It's different when people are killing each other in hand-to-hand combat or using tire irons and knives and guns, um, handguns, not military weapons. Um, But David's seen some ugly things in nationalistic war, and we're going to talk to him about that in a minute. I want to first go back to Tony Wall and what he was saying about, because Tony's an optimist, he's the opposite of what I am. Maybe I play one of the clips from him. I don't really understand the premise. The premise he is putting forth is that Noesis, the Noesis Project, which he heads up, is not about theory. It's about science and how human beings, the human race, can survive. And he puts forth this notion that through archaeology we can trace every decision and every behavior we do now back to its primal causes and our original wound and trauma. That's confusing to a small brain like me. Uh, So basically what he's saying is at some point in our evolutionary period, human beings sustained a massive trauma that leads to all the behaviors that lead to war and conflict and all these kinds of things. If you understand that, you can explain it to me. It was a... Um, I was hoping... I went into the the hour conversation really hoping to learn something. I came away more confused. Um, I did not come away more optimistic in any sense. And I know he... I'm going to play you just one clip. Let me see what I can play here. Um, I did. He, he, he expressed his intent on changing my mind in some way or surprising me. Uh, he did surprise me. But to what extent that... Um, let's see. We're going to start with this one. Maybe I'll play. I'm going to be
1: really happy to surprise you and your listeners uh, by a lot of things that... Uh, that you're going to find out here we are evolutionary scientists we don't do theory um the human race that is put upon we can agree a, a, a very put upon human race has no luxury of theory matt and uh we're, we're gonna that so we don't do theory and uh, you will find what you're about to hear is full of hope and remedy however we are in deep and i'm about to describe how deep we are and then i'm going to tell you what the value of bad news is the value of bad news brings clarity and that's what we need i love
0: we are in deep uh well that's one thing i definitely agree with him we're we're in uh we're in deep uh speaking of in deep dave's been in deep Let's talk to Dave. Let's bring Dave in and, and find out his uh, opinions on all this stuff. Welcome, Dave. Good morning.
1: Hey, thanks for having me back again, Matt.
0: You're always welcome here, dude. A- anytime you want to be here, anytime you're willing to come on, I'd love to have you. Um, oh,
1: yeah. If you need, you just need something like a, I'm one of those guests that's kind of like a, a side check. It's like, oh, you, you don't have anything going on, so you can hit me up and then I'll come in and I'll
0: uh you know what um I I don't feel like I ever need a guest. Uh, I'm happy to have you but I don't ever feel like I need a guest here. If I'm I got nothing to say, I just won't have a show most of the time if uh
1: sometimes you've had guests back out and I I've, I've always thrown out oh, that's
0: the, that's the evening show though. That the evening show requires me having a guest. It's about it's a more serious thing. This is just me waking up trying to get put myself in the right frame of mind for the day. And hopefully other people will, will join in and, and get their day started on a positive, positive note. Uh, this uh, is not you, a positive you just woke note. up.
1: I've been up for like 10 hours.
0: <laughs> I, I woke up about an hour ago. It takes me about, uh, takes me an hour of coffee and stuff to even be able to speak. Um, but yeah, so I'm just getting up. There's a lot going on in the world. First of all, I, I want to talk about what you, what you, uh, uh, talked to me about earlier in the week about this uh, whole oh, yeah. uh, war crimes, atrocities, and all that kind of stuff. But you've been around a while. I know you You haven't been around as long as I have, but you've been around a while. This debt ceiling thing. Uh, you think I'm being uh, too melodramatic about it, too gloom, doom and gloom about it?
1: No, no. It, what it, the thing is, though, is like it, it's the debt ceiling when they raise it. It's not that they're actually borrowing money. They're just the Federal Reserve is printing more money. That's why everything's more expensive. Why do you think gas is so expensive? It's, it's all it's the, the bankers and stuff like that. The more money they print, they're not borrowing it from anybody. They're just printing more, and it causes superinflation, hyperinflation, and that is the, the biggest issue is the inflation. Because that's why eggs... What What are eggs? Like, I don't know, eight bucks like a dozen now? Cause uh, that's food? funny,
0: because I've been hearing about eggs uh, for a couple of weeks now. I did not know eggs were, were so expensive all of a sudden, because when I go to the supermarket, and I'm the one who does the shopping here, the eggs are selling out pretty quick. I mean, as soon as they bring them in, people are buying them. I think, I don't know, maybe, <laughs> maybe what's behind the egg... Price gouging is just a demand. I think people, there seems to be more demand for eggs all It's
1: not even Halloween. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it, there's, there's actually been a, a new case of avian flu, and they had to call the herds. I used to be a chicken farmer. Ah. And like uh, nine years ago, or no, not nine, whatever, 20, 2014, I started, a, my ex wife, excuse me, wanted yeah, a chicken farm. So ago. I built her a chicken farm. We had 100 birds. We were getting, 80 eggs a day, and a, the first avian flu hit in 2014, 2015, she was making mad money selling. Got, we were 80 eggs a day, every day, 80 uh, eggs. So
0: and- that that's part of it. Okay, that that explains it. Uh, now, now you scare me because I have been saying that covid was a test and it was an opportunity for us to learn to deal with something cuz this avian flu can has the potential to be really super deadly and wipe out millions and tens of millions of people hundreds of millions of people has the potential for that uh, well, i did not the know had...
1: the first, when i was a chicken farmer the first experience i had with the avian flu it was chicken farms it would it was spread the avian flu is spread by like just random birds Flying over and crapping and dropping the virus in these giant chicken farms. And then they have to kill millions of chickens to stop the spread of avian flu. And we were lucky because our birds never had it. We, right. we uh, My ex-wife, she didn't want to do antibiotics or anything like that with the birds. But she started losing birds. And then we started giving antibiotics. Our birds were staying healthy and whatnot. And uh, she was making money hand over fist because when I first moved out here and I told the, the out here in the Midwest, I, I told him like, oh, yeah, my my wife wants to have a chicken farm. And she's like, why would you do that? Because it's cheaper to buy eggs to store. I was like, well, my wife wants it and I want to make my wife happy. So we <laughs> we saw your chicken farm and she made money hand over fist because of avian flu and our birds didn't get affected by it.
0: Well, yeah, everybody wants to make their wife happy. That's that's absolutely true. Uh, I mean, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> she I, used to get
1: mad. And I'm, I, she, my ex-wife used to get mad at me. And I'm like, how much money would it take for you to shut up? <laughs> like, I'm like, I'll write you a blank check. I'm like, just stop giving me grief."
0: Yeah, and did she give you an answer? <laughs> did you uh, get a price? <laughs> she,
1: uh, well, it, it, I just would have wound up being is uh, she got even mad at me because I didn't I couldn't read her mind and I was like oh my gosh I just can't win this situation.
0: <laughs> yeah I talked to a friend the other day his wife had laryngitis he said it was the best week of his life
1: <laughs> Oh man that's after I after my, my last divorce or my my divorce I was like you know what I want to meet uh, an orphan chick who is deaf and mute that's my dream woman <laughs> an yeah. orphan that's deaf and mute because I don't have to deal with her family I don't have, she can't hear me complaining about her, and I don't. She can't even voice enough to complain about
0: me. <laughs> yeah, um, yes, yeah, so, you know it's a doom and gloom type of day, but I I do think that we didn't learn anything from COVID. The only thing we learned was that um, people are going to. We what we got out of it is less and less trust for the government for. And we always had very little, you know. We've been working on less and less trust since the Kennedy assassination in America. We've been uh, moving away from that. But when it comes to medical stuff now, nobody's going to trust anybody when the next pandemic hits, and the next pandemic's going to make COVID look like you know child's play. And I think that this is the dangerous part of it is is that because there was so mis- much I- misinformation, so much panic, so much non-planning, no. Real uh, strategy on how to deal with this shit. We learn nothing from it, and the future is more doomy and gloomy because of it. Your take on that?
1: Well, my take on it is a lot of people are just so distracted with sports and in consumerism that they don't pay attention to politics. I mean, even my sister. I'm a college dropout. I went to college for engineering, and I got sick of and tired of it. I'm like, you know what? I Went in. At Twenty-eight years old is when I got to college, and I'm like, I've been around the world. I've deployed to the Iraq War three times. I've experienced what it's like to just be an ignorant American out in all these different countries, like a dozen different countries. You've and I'm had like, a they do experience. Hate <laughs> yeah, it's like you try to be a good American in foreign countries, but they you stand out as an American and they hate you because you have the confidence of being an American in these countries where they have no, they are so scared of their governments that it's like they hate when they see somebody roll in. Americans just walk differently.
0: Not in Vietnam though. I uh, the, the, And this is where, where and I haven't been to Vietnam, but I know people who I, I work with people who are from Vietnam. I've, um, I've, I've known many people who've gone to Vietnam after the war and you would think those people would hate Americans, but they don't. And that confuses me <laughs> it, because of all you know, what we did to their country, you would think they would just hate Americans, but they don't. It, it's very weird.
1: <laughs> maybe they have buyer's remorse for communism and they're like, oh shit, maybe we should have, uh, we should have just like surrendered like Japan did and we would be a superpower, but we kept on fighting the Americans. and. And James Bond does this stuff like demoralize the the American populace, and we just quit that war. So, I mean, like, look at Japan and Germany. They're world superpowers because they surrendered when we went to war with them. I don't, I'm not justifying the Vietnam War because that was all the government, but it was like Vietnam, if they just North Vietnam would have surrendered. United States would have rebuilt it and they would be like Japan, they would be Japan of the southern hemisphere, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's like they still have uh more rice patties than they do, uh, yeah. major car building corporations and stuff,
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so, uh, and I'm told it's it's uh, for people who, who want me to go there, I've been. I, People have been enticing me to go to Vietnam for ten years now. I'm told it's like paradise as far as some of the natural beauty there. For all the bombing and, and stuff we did, we did not ruin the beauty of the country. It, and I guess that's why people have been trying to take it over for. There's a lot of resources there. People have been trying to take it over for two hundred years now. Uh, but so that that's a whole a subject for a whole other day. And I've talked enough about Vietnam. Uh, on board yeah, the
1: program. yeah, it's a great country. I love the Vietnamese people. I mean, that they, they nine out of ten you meet, their last name is Nguyen, spelled N G Y right? N G U Y E N. Nguyen is like Nguyen it's like no, no. All you have to do is be culturally sensitive, and it's like no, it's it's pronounced Nguyen. Yeah, yeah. It's like don't be ignorant. It's Vietnamese people. I love them. I love them. Some of my best friends are. I don't. I'm not trying to sound like Trump or anything like that. <laughs> Some of my best friends. Yeah. Oh no, because no, yeah, when I was in the service, when I was in the military, all the bases, they, like they have uh, the military, the U.S. military actually recruits uh, like Filipinos and Vietnamese people, like to come and work on bases around the world. I know. I swear, there's more Filipinos outside of the Philippines working on American bases around yeah. the world.
0: And in LA doing podcasts,
1: uh, but that's a whole other thing. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We you want to get back to the uh, the Iraq war crimes? Yeah, well, commentate. you said
0: now bef- yeah. before you get into the war crimes, you said you were deployed three times. I'm curious, what the, what does that mean? Does it mean you're deployed, come back, and then re enlist, or what does that mean? Or
1: no, 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 what it is is like I, I signed up September 11th, 2001, and it was like that whole hate for uh, anything Muslim. And I regret that because I didn't know anything about Muslims because I'm here in the Midwest, and it was just like, oh, yeah, we were told, the government told us, uh, the news told us, all the Muslims hate us and they want to kill us all for some new crusade or whatever, like an anti-crusade. And it was like, I I walked into the Marine recruiters. I'm like, I just want to kill terrorists. I'm going to get revenge for uh, 9-11, you know? How old old were you then? You were like 20 or something? I was 20, yeah. I was 20, I was in a dead end job and I'm like this I need I needed uh, my uh wisdom teeth pulled and I couldn't afford it and I was like well there's free dental in the military and I could I could go kill terrorists and So do something on the on me. the
0: day that the 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 World Trade Center was attacked and the Pentagon was attacked you went to the recruiter that day?
1: Yes, I my mom, I both of my brothers were already in the military on wow. a- and I was scared for them. I'm like, they're not, I'm like, I knew there was going to be a war. And I had a good idea. Like, yeah, Bush, he had a hard on for Iraq and Saddam. And I'm like, I know there's going to be a war in Iraq. Afghanistan kicked off first. And uh, I was just like, I always wanted to join the military, but I'm like, it's it'd probably be really boring if you join, if there wasn't a war going on. And that was a big mistake ever. Because since World War two there hasn't been a just war, and it only took me a couple of months during the initial invasion of Iraq to realize this is just another unjust war we won't win
0: well we'll come back to that whole idea of a just war but so so deployment doesn't mean you were uh um you know, you you didn't leave the military and, and reenlist. It meant that no, 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 no,
1: no. That, that we what we are thinking of is a enlistment, a yeah. deployment. You can go on multiple deployments. Deployments depends on the branch. Uh, the Marine Corps, they're generally about seven months for a standard deployment. The Army, they like to do thirteen months, and I think the Air Force does about thirteen months. I don't know what the Navy does. But uh, yeah, you, you're just like, you're at your home station or whatever you base, where you're stationed at. And they're like, all right, you just one day you walk into work and we're like, hey, uh, we got orders for you. We're sending you overseas. And you're like, where to? Can't tell you yet until the paper orders come in. And then you get the orders and it's normally you get about two weeks notice. And then you have to get all your affairs in order They're like, oh, OK, yeah, I got to go see the legal officer and write a will. I got to uh, get all my stuff packed up. I got to notify my family and tell them, like, I'm I'm going to the other side of the world. I can't tell you where can't tell you how long. I don't know. And that was like my, my, the first time. It is just, yeah. Hey, God forbid you're like 20 years old, 21 years old and you have a girlfriend. like hey um i gotta leave i don't know how long and i don't know where i'm going and all that yeah Yeah. you get get dumped and even if they stick around long enough for you to go over there then you get a dear john letter yeah yeah Yeah, it's like it's been two months and like i miss you i'm scared that you might die and uh I just can't deal with this, like, son of a bitch. And then you're over in some shithole country, and you know, no, it's quit. impossible that uh,
0: uh, even in uh, military or civilian life, long-distance relationships, somebody's fucking around. If even, I'm sorry, no, people
1: these these civilian chicks and date military guys need to realize it's not like World War II and Korea and Vietnam. We weren't allowed in Iraq and Afghanistan. There wasn't hookers available for us. I mean, if you were going to get laid, it was going to be by military chicks. And yeah, if you, all you had to do what we would do is we talked to our corpsmen because the STDs were rampant because it was a sex fest on on those deployments. I remember so- one base. I was, there was like. There is 15,000 people on this base, only 1,500 girl or 150 girls, and we're giving out 1,500 condoms a month. So okay. you do the math, and there's a lot of, yeah, they're like, it, it's supposedly, well, what they told us, is illegal to have sex on a deployment, but it, yeah, there, there was in Bahrain, the first one. Before, like before we go yes. any
0: further, I just want to put it out there that I've only tried to wear a condom, and I'm not—I I am not endorsing this behavior because it was risky and stupid. But I've only tried to wear a condom once, and it did—I uh, I didn't make it through the entire intercourse with the condom. It was—I can't—it's um, not for me. But oh, yeah, that's it's an like, irresponsible yeah. thing to say. I realize that. If you're a young person, use a condom. Um, go ahead. <laughs>
1: No, if you're a young person just rub one out. Don't yeah, let us yeah, see yeah, it Yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> true.
0: So when did one? was the first time and this is jumping way ahead I guess, but when was the first time you saw something that would qualify as something atrocious an atrocity, it, eh?
1: It wasn't seeing it personally because I was there when I was behind the lines and I was working on jet engines. I was working on aircraft but it was in 2004, my second deployment. Get this. So the first crimes I heard about, it was late at night. We had to get bused uh, if we needed anything like if we wanted to buy magazines or CDs or whatever. Just anything they had on the other side of the base. uh, We were at the north side and the south side had the PX the post exchange and we would have to hitch a bus when we weren't working, we'd hitch a bus and go down to the South side and go and be able to buy just anything to make our lives a little bit more comfortable. And uh, on the way back, it was dark and sitting in front of me on this bus where it was when 04, early 04, the Marines were sent over to relieve the army. They'd been there for over a year And they pushed from Kuwait and Saudi Arabia up into all these Iraqi bases. And they just needed the army needed to send the guys home because they were just were weary and whatnot. So they redeployed us Marines. And there was a couple of soldiers in front of me, and they were talking, they were from a Bradley. You know what a Bradley is, right? Yeah. It's a smaller tank, it's not an Abrams. Abrams is the heavy tank, the Bradley is the smaller one. And uh, these two guys were sitting in front of me. We are in the dark on a six mile drive on this bus. And they were talking, like, hey, did you hear about so and so? And the guy's like, yeah, yeah, I heard he got killed. And we we're like, yeah, we killed him. So it was actually, it was called fragging in the military. It's when somebody you don't like in a combat zone, you can you kill them. Everybody gets together and they're like, this guy is dangerous. Let's kill him. And I was sitting there for about a 20-minute bus ride. And uh, these two soldiers were talking about how this other soldier, they killed him. They killed him, and then they laid him behind a Bradley. And then they had the Bradley run over him and turn him into freaking ground human beef. And they're like, that's how they hid the crime. I think they shot him or something like that. And then they just put him behind this Bradley and ran this armored vehicle over him. So it oh couldn't, you couldn't, yeah, that was what's going on. There was a lot of fragging going on in the Iraq war. There's a lot of people like died in the Iraq war that were killed by Americans. They were Americans killed by Americans.
0: Just because and, they didn't like them because they were like an asshole or something
1: or, you know, well, what, it, what it would come. Cause when you're in boot camp or basic training, they talk about that. They're like, if you act stupid in a combat zone, there's a thing called fragging, and it's like, if enough people in the unit think that you're a, a risk to the unit, you will get your ass killed, and nobody gets in trouble for it. Holy so fuck. They, yeah, it's fragging, man.
0: Let, let, let me ask you, bud, before you go any further on this. So... And I have no military experience, obviously, so I don't know about this. But I'm thinking that somebody out there is is in a leadership position, right? Who's, make, who's making the call? Who's is it? Something that's actually discussed, like, wh- "Listen, this guy's got to go," and and somebody like a sergeant or somebody in charge says that, or is is it spontaneous and like we're just out at night, this guy's being a dick. Let's, uh, we're sick of him. The and the
1: way they- way happens. If somebody gets sent over there and they're too scared, they're too scared, and they like a few good
0: men. Uh, the the uh, the guy who got uh, code redded, he was basically seen as a guy who was weak and scared. Yes,
1: that's how fragging happens.
0: But and who makes too- the decision? Somebody's got to. Somebody's got to actually utter the word. Let's take this guy. It's, you know what I mean? It doesn't just happen. People don't look just look at each other in the eye and say. Eh,
1: anyway. How does it happen? <laughs> what happens is somebody doesn't want to deploy. They join the military for college money or to get out of their dead end life, and then they get deployed, and they're like, "Oh, I didn't think I would get deployed." It, there's there's two ways you could be over there in in a, in a combat zone. You were like, "All right, I signed up for this. I could possibly die, and I'm not going to be scared." Or, no. I get, I get what you're that. saying.
0: I would be that guy. I would be the guy who who became a pussy in in the in the fog of war and said, "I'm scared." And then there, I
1: would get flagged, Fred. But no, 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 no. You wouldn't have got Fred because there's there's the guys like I got scared when I was first over there and shit. It was like I it, it, you just have to make that decision. It, the people that are around you, you care more about their lives than your own life. Yeah, I get it. It, yeah, and it, you get to the point where you have to make that decision over there where it's like I I love the guys I'm over here with so much that I can't be scared for my own life because if I'm scared and I fuck up, then these guys might get killed. And I love these guys so much. But th- there's guys that just don't ever cross that bridge. And then they just get so scared and they act stupid and they do stupid things. And then everybody starts talking because, like, it doesn't just happen. It's not like, oh, you Th- screw this. Me. Is you what I want.
0: This is what I'm asking you because it seems to me somebody has to actually utter the words, "Let's take them out" or or something like that, right?
1: Well, well, w- that was one of the things is like you've heard about hazing. Yeah, of course. Hazing in the military it got outlawed or banned or whatever, and they were kicking people out for hazing. But the hazing back stateside is what. Prevents fragging in a combat zone. You would get new guys in, and you just treat them like shit. And the guys that just just wanted to fit in. I mean, like people without families, people that just had nothing else to live for, but they the the guys that they're serving with. Like we all went through the same shit together. But you know what? It, it's what prevents fragging is the junior guys that get together. And you're like, yeah, we're all this sucks. This sucks, but I love you. And I care more about you than I care about my own life. And I will do whatever it takes to protect you over protecting myself. And that's how you get these guys. I mean, I never got any awards because I it was I was never positioned in a situation where my friends were at risk. I mean, they were at risk, but it was random risk. It wasn't like we were in a firefight. We weren't kicking down the door. We didn't have to jump on grenades, but it was just we looked out for each other. And the way to prevent that is, like, on the state side, you just treat guys like shit. You, you get these new guys, and you tell them you can't fit in unless you accept what we're going to do for you, or do to you. And I was almost like a haze master in my squadron just because I was so creative and call it sadistic but it like I would come up with the most creative ways we're like alright let's test these guys before we wind up going to Iraq with them and the guys that were like alright yeah I'm not going to rat on you I'm not going to complain those guys were like alright yeah they're good to go over there but then you wound up with these guys that We couldn't haze, or we didn't get a chance to haze, and they wind up over there, and they freak the hell out, and everybody complains. It takes a while for somebody to get bragged. I mean, like, it's, they got to screw up, just be a perpetual screw up, and some of them even, there was the first deployment, there was a guy, he was threatening to kill himself because he was so scared to be over there, and we weren't even... Really in danger. We were in Bahrain, but we would get sent up to Iraq, Kuwait, stuff like that. And there was a guy, that, one, they make it hard. There was guys that back during Don't Ask, Don't Tell, they were like, I'm gay, I'm gay, kick me out. Or guys like, I'm suicidal, kick me out. And then they should have been kicked out, but they make it hard for it. They're like, oh no, it's, especially after, well, no, Don't Ask, Don't Tell was, they made it harder. During don't ask, don't tell for the guys to just claim that they're gay and get kicked out. They're like, no, uh, get your boyfriend in here and make out in front of us. Otherwise, we're not gonna believe you're gay. We got your ass. They need, they just needed cannon fodder. So they made it harder for the chickens to get kicked out, just saying like, oh, I'm gay. And they're like, All right, prove you're gay. Put on some gay show in front of us and then we'll 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 kick you out.
0: I'm looking at death numbers uh and I'm wondering if you can of course this would be uh just conjecture on Dave's part but uh first of all I just want to say that uh it's odd that the numbers are so almost perfect that it makes me suspicious because it comes out to exactly 7 7800 deaths combined in Iraq and Afghanistan which is you know a ra- too round a number to if if they said 708 uh, 7801 I would be less suspicious about the numbers but uh in Iraq they say 300 a uh, 3793 deaths can you guess like how many how many of those are of what you're talking about like Americans killing Americans
1: Well there was also idiots too like I remember on base in Iraq in 2004, uh, we were at this two, uh, two seven, this Marine unit two seven. It was an infantry unit. And then you just give all these young guys that are just full of, te- they're young, dumb, full of cum, give them loaded weapons, send them. They're like, Oh yeah, you're going to be a war hero. You're there's going to be monuments made about you. And I remember it just in the cans that we lived in cans, that were like tiny ass trailers and, uh, some of these guys, they were just like, hey, let's have a quick-draw contest, and they had pistols. And then I remember hearing about it one day, that, that these two young Marines from 2-7 tried to do a quick-draw contest, and one shot the other, and then it was just attributed to a combat death. So it was like two Marines just dicking around with guns, because most likely they just wanted to be war heroes, they had nothing live for, it, and one accidentally killed the other. I mean, um, it's just stupid stuff. There's all kinds of stuff that happens in those combat zones. And it's then the crazier it is in the combat, like 04, after the insurgency set up, there's so many deaths just got swept under the rug. Yeah. Uh, how could like it happen? What's up?
0: Uh, this this information, this, this what you're talking about, this is common knowledge and it goes all the way up the ranks. Generals know about this, right?
1: No, no, no! Because what it is is like cover your ass, cover your ass, and then
0: There's, they don't know it, go- it happens.
1: Everybody, t- shit rolls downhill, so you try to stop the shit before it gets up the hill. Because the the higher it gets up the hill, and the more it rolls down, the more people get taken out.
0: Yeah, I get it. It see, it uh, it's I very curious to me, uh, and I'll come back. I don't want to derail the whole conversation here, but I'll come back to Vietnam. There was a guy, uh, Lieutenant William Calley. And this is a whole other kind of atrocities. This is where where women and children who were not part of the military were being taken out, uh, burnt in their homes and, and slaughtered by Marines in Vietnam. Lieutenant William Calley uh, was in charge of the unit that was... The melee massacre? yeah. Yeah, melee massacre. Yes, and yeah. and but it went. They it, they said it went up the chain of command. Like C- Callie didn't order this on his own. There were people above him, and the, those guys got off. They were tried, and I, Callie was pardoned by Nixon. But he was pardoned because Nixon understood that this wasn't. He didn't do this on his own. He wasn't acting on his own. So I'm just thinking, it, it, you know, like the whole few good men thing. I I would. You're telling me the generals aren't even aware of it, or they know about it, but like the like a mafia don, they're insulated enough to know about it but not know about it. In other, you know, you know, kind of.
1: They don't. They don't know about it, but the generals. You get up above uh, lieutenant colonel, you get to colonel and above. The colonels, they're wanting to be generals. The generals, they're just wanting to get higher ranking generals because you know, there's four different ranks of generals. There's brigadier, major, lieutenant, and then general. And they're all generals, and they're all politicians. The generals are all politicians. The the colonels, the full-bird colonels, they're politicians too. So whenever something comes across their desk, like somebody lower ranking did something wrong, they're just like hammer their dick to the wall. They would rather sacrifice some junior enlisted person and look good politically than... Figure out what actually happened.
0: Right. Anybody ever question you about or about this stuff? Did you ever talk to anybody? Or no, you just keep your mouth shut and do, go about your own day?
1: Who, are you talking to me? Yeah. Oh. Did, did they- no, you can't question. When you're a junior, the, the lower ranking you are, you can't question. I got my ass in trouble in 03 and in 04. They tried to kick me out in 04. 03 is when I realized that the war was unjust. That was the initial invasion. And I'd only spent a day and a half in Iraq to see how fucked up it was. And then I went back to Bahrain and I was like, this isn't good. This isn't good. Like, th- Because then in 04, we went back there. Were like, oh, we, we got to win their hearts and minds. And I'm like, when you drive around, I got to go on a patrol in 03 after Bush claimed that the war was won. And I was seeing kids. We were tra- tossing Jolly Ranchers at them, trying to make them love us. And it's like, yeah, your house is gone. You're living in rubble.
0: <laughs> it, 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 it,
1: hopefully, hopefully the shittiest candy ever made, Jolly Ranchers.
0: Oh, don't go there, Dave. <laughs> I love Jolly Ranchers.
1: Oh, well, the, they told us. They told the, us grape won,
0: the grape ones are heaven. <laughs>
1: Uh, but all right, no, but no, cause but yeah, but yeah. But then 04, it was like, we went back there. It was like, we we're not winning their hearts and minds. And then after the 04 deployment, I wound up, uh, when I got, they were trying to kick me out. I was accused of, uh, being a homicidal maniac. Cause I joked around. I'm like, this is kind of messed up because there was infighting in the Marine units as far as, Staff NCOs were trying to flex on who who has a bigger dick, and it and they would fight. The staff NCOs would fight, and the junior enlisted Marines. We had to pay the price for it. We weren't allowed to eat in the chow hall for at least a month. We had to eat MREs because uh, 27 was running the chow hall, and our squadron Three Fifty Two was running the internet and phone tent. The, inter- the chow hall was only open four times a day. You had breakfast, lunch, dinner, and mid And then the internet tent, as long as nobody got killed from the base, it was open 24-7 for people to, to go and call home, email their family members and all. And we had a staff sergeant in our squadron. It was like, no, 2-7, uh, you need to give us volunteers to work because you're only open four days a week or four times a day. And... This staff sergeant from our squadron said that, "Well, uh, we're not allowing anybody from two seven to come into and use the internet and the phones." And two seven was actually the ones that were getting the most casualties in in 04 in Iraq, and we all got pissed off because, like, wait, wait a minute, these guys, you're you're denying them to call home to their wives, their girlfriends, or their, their parents, their siblings, and all that. You're denying them because you're just trying to flex. And 2-7, the, the first sergeant, he was like, hey, we'll totally give people, uh, uh, Marines from our squ- or our unit to uh, work the internet tent if you give Marines from your unit to work the chow hall. And he was like, no, no. It, it, it was a month-long battle, and then we didn't get to eat any hot chow You're eating MREs, and I don't know if you know much about MREs, but after about three days, four days, you can't shit unless you eat. And every time you eat, you shit because it's like dehydrated food. And it it was just fucking with us. And we were just getting one meal a day because, and it was like we could have three, four meals a day. Right. And uh, yeah, and it, I just, I'm we had this bitch book thing, and I I said, it really sucks when you want to kill Marines more than you want to kill terrorists because the Marines are fighting with each other more than the terrorists are fighting with it. Yikes, that landed me in a mental hospital.
0: All right, yeah, I'm going to come back to that because you said so much there that it has me. Um, I have a lot of thoughts about what you just said. Now, first of all, I'm surprised, but not really that surprised to hear you say. Uh, that the leadership said we have to win their hearts and minds because I have said a billion times on both programs the lesson that we did not learn that we were supposed to learn from Vietnam I keep going back to Vietnam because it is the story of my life It's, it's the uh major political thing that that shaped my generation was the Vietnam War and I think the lesson that we were supposed to learn there is invasions can't work you can't take over a country by force you you have to win their hearts and minds and I I'm surprised I thought that military elites just that went over their head they didn't even think about that because we still are invading people but you're telling me they know that but still invade by force anyway <laughs> right. Yeah, the
1: only way. Hey, look at France. Look at Europe during World War II. We won all those countries' hearts and minds because we destroyed an invading force. Right. Since then, we've been the invading force. Right. I mean, maybe Korea. Korea is a gray area. 50-50 South Korea loves us. Yeah, well,
0: Korea and is very a enam- uh, Very, uh, you know. I don't know the word I'm looking for, but it's 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 like Vietnam. The South loved us in Vietnam. We, to the people in the South, we were seen as, you know, like we were in World War II, but it was still an invasion. You know what? Sometimes you got to let people just fight out their, their own. You know.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Imagine during our Civil War back in 1860, if some country come in and are like, oh yeah, uh, we're going to fight the North because the North is invading the South. Do you think the North would have liked uh, any country coming in? In <laughs> yeah, 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 it's like you adjust if it's a civil war, which was the uh, Korean War, Vietnam War. That was they were civil wars. We stuck our dicks somewhere where we weren't invited. It was yeah. communist containment, and it bit us in the ass. We wound up not winning either of those wars, and then you look at. Iraq. i mean iraq was just a the bush is getting revenge for their family members
0: i'm i'm still not clear on or i i agree that that's a big part of it. it seemed like bush campaigned on the fact that he wanted to go back and finish that war for daddy um but I, you know what i can't believe his father didn't uh consult with him and say i didn't finish that war for a reason there's a good reason we left the, you know, saddam in charge over there back out of it don't be stupid maybe cheney was i don't know i you know it's hard to understand what the hell went on there well just- it,
1: that's. i don't like the bushes i hate the bushes with all my heart and soul but the thing was was uh, the first uh, george bush he wasn't trying to topple Iraq. He was just trying to push him out of Kuwait. Right, push him out of Kuwait. We're not going to destroy Iraq. But then uh, Saddam apparently put a hit out on his dad. Yeah, it was an assassination attempt. And they
0: they were violating no-fly rules and and thumbing their nose at a lot of shit and not and not allowing inspectors in. And then they did allow inspectors in at the last month. All that stuff. But I can't yeah. believe. Uh, that it was all about revenge. I think at some point it was about money and resources, but they never yeah, took yeah. those. They never took the resources except for the corporations like you know, Halliburtons and people like that. It's it's a, it's a hard to understand. It's hard to wrap your head around, even if, you know if you try really hard. Uh,
1: you you, know, you want to hear here? Here is the the final part. Uh, after I came back from Iraq in war, and I didn't get kicked out. I passed my psych evals. I, I was diagnosed. So I am one of the, probably the few people, I got the medical records, almost posted them, where I got a psych eval in Iraq for being a homicidal maniac, joking about how I wanted to kill Marines more than, than terrorists. And they promoted me. They had to promote me as a punishment. And send me to Corporal's course. And, and it was January 05. I went to Del Mar and Camp Pendleton as a punishment. They had to promote me as a punishment. I was such a pain in their ass that uh, they had to promote me because they couldn't bust me down. And I was there with, you remember uh, the Fallujah push? Uh, Phantom Fury. That was the operation. Phantom right. Fury was when the insurgents flooded into Fallujah. And I, wound up going to corporal's course back stateside. They promoted me to go there. And all the guys I was there with had Purple Hearts and Bronze Star. You know, I felt like such an idiot because it was like, I'm an air winger and I was with all these grunts that were in the Fallujah push, Phantom Fury. And they were just talking about the, the crazy illegal things they did that violated Geneva Conventions, where they would, they would kill people but they would carry guns and when they would kill people that they thought were terrorists they would plant guns on them and it was just swept under the table well
0: we are, uh we are coming up cuz i have to bail kind of early here today oh, it's I fine. To... i just wanted to
1: get i wanted to get those three points in about how th- there was war crimes committed but they got swept under uh, under the table in the just the what do they called? the cloud of war where yeah it was like oh yeah I Morning.
0: I get it. Uh, now uh, again, we only have a couple minutes here, but I want because it seems like, and I'm tying this into this guy Tony Noosa stuff, and he's talking about human trauma. It seems like every you could not have experienced what you experienced, no matter. I think. I don't think you could be a part of that war on any level or any of those wars, Afghanistan, Iraq, or, you know, even Pakistan, where we lost 90 people. um, Without coming away with some major scars and uh, traumatic scars, mental scars, emotional scars and all this stuff, because to go through that, you're still obviously you're still carrying around in your head. You, You wanted to talk to me about it. Uh, they they don't really treat that or, or, you know, they brand you a homicidal maniac and let you go back to society. (laughs) Uh, Well,
1: what the the VA is doing now, and I'm having fun with it because uh, LSD and shrooms are illegal, weeds illegal. So I just go to the VA and I just tell them the truth. I I got in trouble this week because I showed up uh, Wednesday drunk on the head meds they're giving me and that make me hallucinate. I'm like, this is cool. I get them for free from the VA. and But yeah, then the doctor's like, no, you shouldn't. Like I could sit there and like the head meds they give me, I could stare at woodwork and it looks like the grain, the wood grain in the the woodwork is like flowing like a river. And I'm like, this is pretty cool. This <laughs> is pretty cool. And it's free and it's legal. I can't go to jail for this shit.
0: Yeah, uh, well, this is a conversation for the next time because yeah. I have a friend who's in Oregon and he goes to the VA. Now, in Oregon, shrooms are legal, and it's part of a, a psychotherapy thing. I'm, I never asked him if he, he got him at the VA. That would be interesting. I don't think he does, but that would be an interesting, you know, whole other topic. Is is the benefit of shrooms towards dealing with the kind of trauma? Uh, that everybody who who served when you served must have must have felt on some level. It's just it's it's strange that we just send kids, young men, young women, uh, uh, into a situation like that. These kind of things happen. We don't talk about them. I I never I know a lot of people were were there, Dave, and you were the first one who ever actually talked about this openly to me, and that says something in twenty years. Nobody has really verbalized it. We need to have these conversations more. So.
1: Oh, well, that's what, before I, I started seeking psychological help, which the VA is not very good at. Right. I was doing drugs. I was doing illegal drugs. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is nice. This is nice. And it's like, they're illegal, and I'm not built for prison so it's like (laughs) oh yeah it was yeah it was one of those things it's like man i think it makes like mdma oh my gosh i i did uh i went to a rave and i did a bunch of mdma and it just like washed away all my pain in my life where i just felt like i was a child again i'm like i want to relearn life mdma is an amazing drug
0: did you ever try dmt i mean i do have to go but i'm curious but
1: yeah, yeah. I, I, no, I haven't tried it because I'm too so scared. I'd have to mail order it. I'm in the Midwest, man. Like everything's laced with fentanyl, and I'm not trying to experiment.
0: Dye. I don't know where to get it. I, I want to try. I really, really want to try it once before I die because I've heard so many unbelievable things about it
1: that it. I could, I could hit up some friends, but you're gonna have to travel, maybe to Texas or. <laughs> yeah. And the, I could get you. We could. We could hang out, man. Uh, in, in i hear i hear if you have any demons in your life where you felt like you did anything wrong to anybody doing dmt will make you it, you have nightmares if you are an evil person and you do dmt but if you're a good person it will just bring back all the greatest memories in That's your life funny. It's, I, a I, reset. it's a reset man
0: yeah, that's funny because uh, I know people who've had really bad experiences. I know people who say it's like heaven. Uh, I don't know. I'll have to talk to them about the demon. I have demons. I have definitely demons. and I have demons I forgot about. That's how deep my, my scars are. And, and so, I, but I definitely want to try it, good or bad.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, the, the good thing about DMT, from what I hear, it only lasts 15. 15 30 minutes,
0: 30 right. Yeah, that that's what, yeah, that's what, exactly what excites true. me. <laughs>
1: I hated not, LSD because
0: it was 15 hours or, or whatever. Yeah, I was days. gonna
1: say EMT isn't like doing acid or uh, shrooms where it's like it's an extended punishment.
0: Right. All right. I gotta go. I gotta get on a Zoom All call. Take come care. back. Come back Love next, you, next week. Let's continue this next week. Next Friday. Come on, be my Friday guy <laughs> for a while.
1: Be <laughs> up, man. I am an open book, man.
0: All right. I'll, I'll talk to you next week. Thanks, man. All
1: right. Love you, Matt.
0: Love you too. Bye uh dave sidwell folks uh interesting conversation there man um i gotta run i gotta get on a a zoom call so i'm just gonna say goodbye and uh, don't forget to turn on your radio and all that kind of stuff uh check me out monday i don't know what's happening monday but something will be happening monday see you bye for now